number two the sane asylum these days in 2023 the lunatics have indeed taken over the asylum that's why i created the sane asylum so you could hear compelling discussions with uh fascinating and talented individuals such as marie lassiter our guest tonight who is a uh, 40 years as a, a stellar nursing career and then she got elected coroner in the largest county in Missouri and has been doing that for the last seven years and has been doing a bang-up job. In fact, she proved that the entire PCR test is a scam. She's been running blood tests and all these people that these corrupt hospitals are getting paid extra to say it was a COVID test. Well, no, it wasn't. And and so uh, God bless you, Marie, and God keep you. And uh, before we get back to this discussion, we're also going to open up the phone lines. I'd like to say that our two worldwide audio platforms, simulcast, republicbroadcasting.org, and speakfreeradio.com are both having fall fundraising drives. And the nice thing about Republic Broadcasting is you can also go to the excellent store and check out the different products. And I got to say, the wild pasture uh, meats are just fantastic. And there's there's you know 30 other or more compelling products if if you can uh, have interest in such purchases or just donate 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 bucks to each station if you can afford it. Please do because there are not many. Uh, independent truth-telling uh, media platforms such as uh, uh, Republic Broadcasting speak for you around, so got to support them and keep them on the air. It's not cheap to uh, run a network uh, seven days a week. All right, Marie. So, man, what a great first hour. I, I'll tell you, I'm really looking forward to looking through your books, but um, as we open up the phone lines, 512-248-8252, that's 512-248-8252, Again, call in. Any questions for Marie, 512-248-8252. And as we see who's going to call in, Marie, what's the most shocking revelation when you, in the last three years with this huge scam-demic to somehow get uh, uh, illegal, immoral, genetic experimentation on the human herd, which should never have happened, that they do not know what they're doing with that garbage, and it was even more telling to me that you probably saw it in the last six months where uh, the press is finally starting to do its job. And, and someone was asking Albert Borla, well, did you take your, 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 your uh, uh, mRNA experimental injection? And he goes, oh, oh, no, no, I didn't. I didn't need to. You know? and, and for two years he was dodging that. And now he's admitted mm-hmm. all those scumbags never took it. And yet all these young people, all, like you mentioned, those two young boys, who weren't going to vote vote for Biden, but they want to somehow help. The, the 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 offensive thing to me is there was never a pandemic. It was all a lie. It was all fabricated. They released a bioweapon that uh, some people got very sick on. But everybody forgets. You know, when I came back to the media, the data was already known that eighty uh, percent of the entire human population was already immune to the so-called SARS-CoV-2 uh, uh, because it was based on the corona molecule, the corona uh, pathogen, and and most people had a a natural immunity to it for having some form of the common cold or having SARS or having 
uh, one of these uh, 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 pathogens and maladies. And once you have it, of course, you know, you build up natural immunity to it. And so what was even more offensive to me, Marie, was when the data was already known that uh, anyone under the age of 21 had a 99.997% survival rate, even if they got it, and most of them never even got it. So, so I mean, did it infuriate you to, to watch this this murderous genocidal spectacle as much as it infuriated me the last three years? Oh, um, de- definitely. And my, it's I'm getting it all out in this book. First of all, I was sent a list of 12 uh, talking points to overcome vaccine hesitancy. Uh-huh. See, for some reason, they think because I'm an elected official, I'm on their side. I don't <laughs> But it was escalating tactics. One is help, you know, help protect other people. And then... Like, you know, it's shameful if you don't do it. I, I can send you the list. It's 12. 12 yeah, things, please do. 12 I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I, I, I'd i say one of the most shocking things was, okay, so I'm going along and I'm not ruling anybody COVID. I'm ruling what they really have, which is mm-hmm. usually bacterial pneumonia because, like, our hospital here has never had a ventilator. Uh-huh. They got some. They've got people untrained to take care of people on ventilators. I'm sure they're not using sterile techniques suctioning them, and they're all getting bacterial pneumonia. And that was even before remdesivir, which nurses call run, death is near, because <laughs> it puts you instantly into renal failure, and then that'll right. buy you a ventilator. And then they the doses... Once they're on the ventilator, I've got the records, because I asked for you know the medical administration record. They were giving them like 30 milligrams of morphine and 15 milligrams of Ativan like every hour. That mm-hmm. That's that's uh, assisted suicide, basically, doses. So, right, right. Uh, but then, okay, people like me, everything's going good. Everybody's great. You know, I got reelected. Everybody loves the way I'm handling COVID. Well, then FEMA said, if you die of COVID, you get $13,000 to cover funeral expenses. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a lot of coroners had a lot of blowback from that. I didn't because I always call my families and tell them what's going on. But mm-hmm. I had a couple. They really wanted the money. And and I just simply say, I can't lie. When I'm asked to do so, I just tell everybody, I cannot lie. I said, what I will do is I will put under Part A on the death certificate what the person really died of. Under Part B, I'll say tested positive for COVID with a PCR test and the date. If that's a fact and I have a document, I'll put it on there, but I'm not going to say your cause of death was COVID. And, And people were okay with that. I stuck with that strategy. But yeah. How how else to get more COVID numbers than tell people if you can? And and another problem is at least half the coroners are also funeral directors. Uh huh. Can you say conflict of interest? Yes, absolutely. Um, I do want to say I'm not just a coroner. I am a board certified fellow with the American Academy of Medical Legal Death Investigators. So I am. Mm-hmm. I'm also a death investigator. A lot of coroners oh, are not mm-hmm. death investigators. Mm-hmm. But I'm one of five board certified fellows in the state of Missouri. Oh, fantastic! And uh, and and another shocking thing that happened was um, there's virtually no standards for coroners ever 
anywhere. And so um, some bad things had happened in our state, and the governor convened a commission on coroner standards and training. Uh, there's two, two coroners on the board. Well, he wanted me on there. And I asked my senator, is he crazy? Has he read my Facebook page? <laughs> she's, like, right. she's like, no, he really wants you. And yes, you were fully vetted, like with three weeks, fully vetted. And so I thought, that's really nice. My my governor wanted me on there. And he, everybody knows what I'm about. I have I have tons of agendas, but none of them are secret. <laughs> so Oh, uh, that's awesome. That's the yeah, that way you don't have to remember what, what your lies were, right? I mean the classic uh <laughs> if you tell the truth, you never have to, have to keep track of your lies. All right, we've got some callers lined up. The first one awesome. is a is a gentleman. I I, I don't know it, what type of doctor he is. Is a medical doctor perhaps? Uh, Doctor Dean. Um welcome. What's on your mind? Where are you calling from? Uh hi, I'm in Colorado. I've been on Ingrid's show, I've been on Toward Anarchy, interviewed, and it's Dean Lloyd, and Oriental Medicine is my profession, like yourself, but uh, I'm also a naturopath, and I've also got some questions, and also wanted to bring to both of your attention that I went to the Frontline COVID Critical Care Alliance meeting in Fort Worth, Texas at the end of April, and it was a very interesting collection of practitioners that brought together their data, Dr. Ryan Cole, whom I'm sure you're familiar with. Uh, yes, we had outspoken. Very, a couple very nice conversations, and Dr. Paul Merrick and so forth. But uh, one of the things that I wanted to bring to your attention is that you can go on that website and hear for free, if you sign up with your email, the entire conference, the entire uh, two days that had the topics uh, with the oncologist there, there was a Lyme's expert, uh, Dr. Goodyear was there. I, these are people that are you know, top of their field, and, and some of them superstars in my mind. But in any case, uh, my discussions with them were on a, a little bit uh, short because they were in such demand and I did uh, want to bring up the question regarding iron dysregulation and hemolytic blood. If you're seeing any more evidence of that, we were getting really concerned about the damage that uh, was not correctable in these patients that were getting these uh, cases where the iron is being liberated from the heme and you literally have iron, of course, being a free radical if it's uh, not kept in its proper place. <laughs> um, but uh, are you seeing evidence of that in your your community or your county uh, that there are this is a progression of uh, dis- iron dysregulation leading to oxidative stress and, of course, all the plethora of conditions that follow. Um. No, I haven't seen that. Um, what I have seen, and I have some on my desk right now, uh, I, I didn't fully believe all the clot stuff that everybody's talking about because I'm from Missouri, you got to show me. And, and, and I'd have embalmers call me and tell them, oh, was this person vaccinated? They've got these weird clots. And I'd look it up, yeah, they were vaccinated. Save me the clot. Yeah, send me a picture of the clot. Didn't happen. Well... Recently, there's a student, 
that's learning to embalm, she called me and said, um, I, is this person vaccinated? And they were quadruple. So you've got to see these clots. So I trotted right down there and uh, clots are pulled out of the jugular. They kind of looked like blood clots. Of course, they weren't compressible. Um, now, this is Missouri. The only We didn't have any formalin, and actually, this turned out to be a good thing. We had a clean pickle jar. We put them in water in a pickle jar. I sat on my desk for a week and a half. I was busy. I finally got them out, and all the blood that was on the outside it dissipated into the water. When I took them out, they were like clean white polymers. So wow. I put them, I have a digital microscope, and I took uh, pictures of them. It's not super high power, um, but I... Um, I'm familiar with polymers, and they really resemble polymers. So now I'm off on the track of the Neogel, which was introduced by DARPA in 2021 to encapsulate whatever it is the crap they're putting in the injection. I don't even know, but I think the Neogel is huge, especially when there's plasticine clots completely blocking, at least in this case, um, the jugulars. And also, um, I just saw an article today, and to me, this is like a cover-up story. Oh, everybody is consuming tons of microplastic every day, and you didn't even know it. I think it's an epoch time. I'm like, why is this all a concern now that, and there's several, several, several scientists out there, if you just do finding uh, neogel in vaccines and infant vaccines and yeah, it, it hardens into hard plastic. And so I'm, I admire all those doctors, Dr. Cole, Dr. McCullough, Dr. Malone. But personally, you know, they were raised on germ theory. And I, I don't personally, and I'm, I'm just a nurse. You know, I'm just a nurse. But what I've seen is not germ. I haven't seen No, germ. and I'm, I, I'm in your camp, uh, not to worry. But uh, what <laughs> I did want to bring up is that with what you're looking at uh in that case do you as you consider that that is amyloid plaque build up in the patient or the uh deceased? yeah well yeah i'm actually i spent um uh, matthew rife i don't know if you know him there's and there's a couple people i've Mm-hmm. What I what I found is number one, they won't dissolve. There's only one thing that will dissolve them, and it's a chemical. It's a chemical process, and I wrote it down. Uh, do, do, do. Oh. Well, the misfolding of those proteins, with the spike being able to release those sequences in there, will cause those those formations of the abnormal uh, abnormal uh, misfolding, the, the proteins will aggregate and they'll create those cl- those stringy-like clots that you in what you have in that pickle jar sounds like it could be that. Um. Well, uh, I have some lactose scientists that tried to dissolve them from several things. One. Uh, Oh gosh! I'll have to go Are you back looking for that. It's kind of it's a new rabbit hole I'm going down right now. 
But I am. Okay. I have. I have six of them, so I'm having them analyzed to see number one, what does it take to dissolve them? And I know it was a very complicated process, and I cannot think of the uh, name that was used to finally dissolve one of the clots. And I don't. Well, I, my, I, you know, I know what amyloid is. I don't think amyloid would be that hard to dissolve. Well, the, the well, the the. Enzyme therapies, then there was an article in Japan um, that covered the natto version, uh, the natto kinase, uh, having a major role, because it goes after fibrin, right? And it yeah. has a dissolving effect of the fibrin. Uh, I'm putting all my patients and have been putting my patients on for uh, these last three years on these enzymes as a matter of both maintenance and treatment. But uh, it's, it's one of those very safe types of treatments. It's been used in Japan for almost all their heart patients take this. It's, an, it's a fermenting process. Uh, but in any case, I just wanted to ask about the blood uh, issue, and I'm of the suspicion that this is kind of one of those things that go under the radar, and when uh, you get uh, the iron free-floating, it has to go somewhere, Right, um, and the sequestering effect or uh, the epsidin, the, the way that the body stores iron, this is cumulative, and it's going in places where they shouldn't be, primarily the liver, what I'm looking at. But the reason I'm bringing that up is because I have a feeling that we're going to see a major increase. There's like a, a, a you reach a threshold, right, where the, the iron becomes so toxic that it's literally feeding infections okay it becomes fuel for uh either bacterial or or uh, other viral infections so I'm, I'm just giving you a little heads up that this is something that uh we have been seeing and it is i just wanted to know if you had any uh, uh cases well i well for me that would be something i see at autopsy um, unfortunately, I can only do about 13 autopsies a year, and with my population, I should be doing at least 25. And I, I do know, and of course, all these sections are, are capped if you ever need to pull them back out and look at them again. But it's never been an issue in any of the autopsies I've done. Um, I do want to say that the scientists that took one of my, um, clot, I call them clots for lack of a better word, uh, he did try the natokinase uh, to dissolve them. It didn't work. And the only found, thing he found that worked, and I've never heard of it, is tetrahydrofuran. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, and because if the clot is not of a blood variety, and it's, as mm -hmm. I say, of this misfolding protein version, then it won't make an impact that is, is significant. Because once the misfolding proteins start, it's a it, it's a nonstop thing. Yeah. Well, um, and then I've got another scientist I'm working with that's looking at uh, any DNA markers on these that could correlate with a greater propensity for cancer. And you know, and and he does not want want them in formalin. He wants them just like I have. He'd rather give them in a pickle pickle jar. And <laughs> um, yeah. But there, I and it doesn't even bug me to have them sit on my desk because to me they're not even biologic. 
I, just just from my impression, there is nothing biologic about these clots that I have. Yeah, but you got to consider his toilet training. <laughs> That's where we all, <laughs> you know. So I'm going to let you go and let the others. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank, thank you for calling in, Doctor Dean. My it's very insightful, and, and please feel free to pop in anytime. Appreciate your time. Excellent. Yeah, my next autopsy, I'll definitely specifically look for that. Wow. All right. Uh, thank you. Take care. Thank you. Take care. All right, our next caller is Sherry from Kansas. Sherry, welcome. What would you like to discuss with Marie? Hi. Uh, Marie, I'm so glad that John uh, started bringing you on RVN because all I can say is you go, girl. But, <laughs> hey, yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, you were talking about antibiotics and animal antibiotics, and I wanted to tell you, and this has been more than 20 years ago, um, we had an osteopath uh, speaking to our group on what we want might want to stock up on for our own. You know, this is like right before Y2K. And, um, but his father was a vet, a veterinarian, and he told us that uh, his dad said that, uh, you know, Animal antibiotics are the same as people antibiotics. They just charge you more for, the, for you know, mm-hmm. when they label them for people. And um, so, you know, you'd probably go to Tractor Supply or whatever and get them cheaper there than what you did. <laughs> uh, are you familiar with uh, a book... Uh, Dirty Electricity by Sam Milham. He's a doctor no, and a master of uh, public health. But um, he 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 got into measuring electricity and dirty electricity and even wireless and stuff and um, in his investigations of public health and schools were really bad. And this book, uh, I got the second printing. It came out in 2012. And he said the dirtiest places for dirty electricity were the hospitals. Huh. And and they they had he had a number of I think he said he it had some that were over eight thousand. And that that's a really high number, but. Um, you know, and I don't see how anybody can get well in a hospital with all that because, you know, everybody's everybody working there's got a cell phone and then they and now I'm I'm sure that they have even more uh Wi Fi computers rather than, you know, corded and stuff. But um I think that's part of this and I think that this whole COVID thing, another part of it was just to bail out the hospitals because so many people are rejecting the kind of medicine that they're pushing on us. Well, it certainly gave the hospitals an unbelievable windfall of money. (laughs) Right. Anyway, that's my comment, and um, I really appreciate the information you're putting out, Marie. Well, thank Thank you. And I'd like to interject and give a plug to my dear friend, uh, Janice Barcelo. She started up 
an RBN show that's uh, 12 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. Eastern on Saturdays called Birth of a New Earth Radio. And Janice had, you know, to me, I've discovered in my practice, um, Marie, that sensitivity to, to, to wireless radiation and the so-called dirty electricity is really on a spectrum. It doesn't really affect most people you know, maybe over the years or decades, it can foment some type of cancer. But there are certain people who it's absolutely toxic to. And Janice is one of those. And she's had to do great, jump through amazing hoops to try and find a, a clean living space for her to maintain some semblance of health. And I've had other patients who had to do the same thing where you had to literally get rid of all Wi-Fi, ha- have your computer use be wired only and turn it off at night. And, and this seems to in, increase their quality of life. So it, it, fortunately, at least for now, many, many people are not affected by that. But with this increase, with now 5G is essentially a, a little microwave oven pointed at people up on those poles. It's a horrible technology. It shouldn't be legal, and yet they're pushing it uh, every which way. And, and there's so many of them close to schools, and I feel bad that these little children and and developing young adults are getting irradiated the where they are so do you have any thoughts on um that type of poisoning and don't forget uh saturdays at noon central janice barcello's birth of new earth she covers this in de- great detail yes i i have a friend like that also that can't uh be exposed to anything we communicate by uh letter with a stamp uh-huh. <laughs> wow that's old school um, yeah, I do. I I do have a spot like that in Texas County that is totally, totally radiation free. I felt like I needed to get it and establish it. I, it, well, it, like you said, I think some people can resist it, others can't. I do know a really good thing that people forget to do is take uh, a cup uh, at least. A drop of iodine, Lugol's oh, iodine, absolutely. Yep. iodine mm-hmm. in your water, and that's going to protect you from the cesium. That definitely, that's and and there is, I think, some protective effect against radiation. I've recommended that to people that are, you know, they just feel like they're getting sick. They don't feel right. I'm like, mm-hmm. we're not getting iodine in our salt anymore unless we really seek it out. And of course, they're right. telling us don't use salt. Um, and I work with. Um, my last clinical job, I worked with a physician. Um, he was a DO, and literally every patient that he had been to the hospital, he put them on daily iodine drops. And yeah, it, it's criminal. Yeah, people, you know, they used to make bread. Iodine. <laughs> yeah, iodine's vital, and, it, and it's, it's deficient in almost every diet and every human in America. And they used to, corporate bakers used to make bread with iodine and then they switched to bromine which is not good for the human body but uh, of course it's good for the bottom line of the corporations and the bakers but yeah I, and and like you said unless you you're buying a very very you know provable harvested sea salt that has the minerals you're not getting it from uh this the the the, the grocery store anymore so those are some great points marine um well just well, my I think my books are very practical. And I'll I'll bring up one. Th- I like in between all the the doom and gloom. I like I love plants. I love to be in the woods. Sure, of course, <laughs> I love yeah, to yeah. Find new plants. Um, and 
uh, I used to get ticks. And then when I started taking ivermectin, that's the good thing about COVID. I have not had a wasp, a wasp sting me. I haven't had a tick embed me. They might walk on me, but they mm-hmm. jump off real quick. They don't wow. want anything to do with my ivermectin cell. And no one believed me, of course. And uh, so I got a bunch of other people that are in the woods, you know, or even rafting down the river or kayaking and all the black Mm -hmm. gnats. I'm like, just, and actually the old man at the feed store, he backed me up. He says, I've been taking out for Beckton for years. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it's really, it's really good. And with these, uh, you know, this alpha gale, this disease, tick-borne disease, um, mm-hmm. which is probably bioengineered. It sure seems like it. You know, the yes, one where you can eat red meat. You totally bioengineered. To Absolutely. Intentionally. Well, you don't yeah. want to be bit by a tick. And I can tell you, I usually, I only take, I take, you know, my dose of ivermectin, which is like basically one, uh, one milliliter. And I, I buy the Neuromethin injectable type. I don't inject it. Everybody says, do you inject it? No. <laughs> but I just put in a glass of water and drink it. And okay. Yeah. Well, we've reached the bottom of our break, Marie. When we come back, we'll, we'll ask you to explain why you think Ivermectin is such an anti-tick uh, successful protocol. But stay tuned okay. after these messages. Have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls, plus testing for heavy metals, makes us unique in the storable foods market. Simply Clean Foods' primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from Simply Clean Foods, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on long-term food storage in the rotating sponsors' banners to support RBN. Simply Clean Foods. Do it today. This is Elizabeth McCabe, a.k.a. Lucky One of Truth Frequency News. I wanted to tell you all about Extendivite from HeartDrop.com. Y'all know I check everything before I air it. When I heard about Extendivite on TFR, I went to HeartDrop.com and started my research. It's got cayenne. That's good for blood and circulation. It stimulates the blood flow. It's got garlic, which fights bacteria like antibiotics, and it lowers the cholesterol and blood pressure. It also has milk thistle, which is the best detox for liver. I couldn't wait to try it out, and I'm glad I did four months ago. And here's obvious results. My hands and feet don't get cold anymore. The varicose veins have faded too. My wrists don't hurt after typing all day. Now I tell you all this because it's true and I want you to really live life. Try Extendivite. Go to heartdrop.com and order it. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply of either capsules or liquid. Call now. That's 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. 
I'm so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family, and we look forward to bringing you the pasture-raised meats that you and your family will love. Now, we started Wild Pastures because so many of my clients would tell me they just couldn't find high-quality pasture-raised meats, and even when they did, it was so expensive that they couldn't afford to eat it regularly. Now, I'm not talking about the bottom-of-the-barrel healthy meats that have claims like natural or free-range or even cage-free, terms that were actually created by the industrial food industry to make us feel all warm and fuzzy about buying their low quality products. I'm talking about truly nourishing pasteurized meats, the kind that you'll never really find in a grocery store. Our farmers are doing things beyond organic. Our beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and raised on pastures free from chemicals and other pesticides. Our chickens are 100% pasture-raised, where they get their natural diet of grass and forage and insects. We will never settle for free range, which is actually one of the most deceptive terms in the chicken industry. In fact, less than 0.1% of the chicken consumed in the United States is truly pasture-raised in the way that ours is. And our pork is 100% pasture-raised as well. So if you care about where your food comes from, then you have definitely made it to the right place. As a Wild Pastures member, you'll be supporting the most highly principled farmers in America and getting the most nutrient-dense, nourishing, and sustainable meats in the world. I'm confident you'll love being part of our mission at Wild Pastures, and you will really love the delicious, nourishing meats that we're going to deliver straight to your door. Visit republicbroadcasting.org and click the Wild Pastures banner ad. Secure a shipment today. Beef, poultry, and pork. Raised the way nature intended.
right, welcome back to the final 30 minutes of the Sane Asylum number 183. There's a very clever song from a few years back, parody called Coronavirus Rhapsody by Adrian Grimes, and he's mocking the scamdemic uh, as uh, myself and, and my, my compelling guest, um, 40 years a nurse, and then became a coroner and a death investigator. The remarkable Marie Lassiter is joining us for the first of what I hope to be regular visits on the show to this kind of of unvarnished truth, especially about natural healing and natural uh, uh, solutions, as opposed to taking the, the poisonous, toxic garbage from Big Harma, the P is silent. But, you know, Marie, one thing most people, everybody says ivermectin, ivermectin, but very few people know what ivermectin really is. And it, it was <laughs> discovered in the late 1960s by Satoshi Omura, a microbiologist at Tokyo's Kitsukato Institute, and where he was hunting for new antibacterial compounds and started to collect thousands of soil samples from around Japan. He cultured bacteria from the sample, screened the cultures for med medicinal potential, and sent them 10,000 kilometers away to Merck Research Labs in New Jersey, where his collaborator, William Campbell, tested their effect against parasitic worms affecting livestock and other animals. One culture, derived from a soil sample collected near a golf course southwest of Toyota, uh, Tokyo, rather, was remarkably effective against worms. The bacterium in the culture was a new species and was baptized Streptomyces avirimictilis. The active component named avermectin was chemically modified to increase its activity and its safety. The new compound, called ivermectin, was commercialized as a product for animal health in 1981 and soon became a top-selling veterinary drug in the world. Remarkably, despite decades of searching, the, uh, the streptomyces avermectilis remains the only source of avermectin ever found. How about that? Just just lucked out near a golf course outside of Tokyo. How about that? Well, Your like thoughts? I said, and I love the fact that, you know, I know it's a, a soil microbe, but it's still natural. And like I said, yep. God put on this planet, um, whoever, whoever you believe is God, put on this planet everything that we need, even if it's a microbe in the soil in Japan. And it is truly amazing. And as the best thing about the fake COVID pandemic is we all found out about ivermectin. Right. And like I said, I, I've, uh, well, I had to go retrieve a body in the national forest and she was pretty deep in there. She'd been there a couple of weeks and we're, it's at dark. We're going through the woods, all the forest, uh, park service people are spraying themselves down with DEET. And of course I'm not going to spray that on me, right, but, right. uh, I go out there and not not one tick because I have ivermectin. They they just I mean just try it. It's not going to hurt you. There's no side effects other than ticks won't bite you, so that's not a bad side effect. <laughs> and of course, uh, like I said earlier, uh, Pfizer uh, they're manufacturing their own basic <coughs> ivermectin. They call Manoyoprel, and it's like. Ivermectin, I think it's like 17 cents a dose, and Manoyoprol is like $3,000 for the course. And I do want to say a very quick thing about Ivermectin. I had a, a woman who died in the ER on a Sunday night. The ER called me. This woman died of COVID. Okay. Middle of the night, I'll investigate in the morning. In the morning, I call her husband to see what he knows about his wife. He can, You can tell he's dying. He can barely talk. I said, what's wrong? He's like... I have COVID. I said, C 
can I, I need to call an ambulance for you. No, I won't go, he said. And, got, and this is Monday morning. He says, I have a doctor's appointment on Thursday. If I make it, I'll go then. I said, well, who's your doctor? He didn't know. He had to look it up. Uh-huh. And I knew the doctor. So I said, I want you to call your doctor right now and tell him to order you ivermectin. Tell him to call it into Rennie's Pharmacy. They will bring it to your house and start taking it. And I said, and I'll I'll call you back um, tomorrow. Called him back the next day. He sounded tremendously better. He says, yeah, I got that. Oh, oh, he said, who are you? What's your name? I said, just Uh tell him the coroner said. And I'm thinking Uh I'm going to really have my butt in a sling. But I knew this would help this man. And the doctor actually did it. He called it in. It got delivered. The man sounded much better. He still had his Thursday appointment with the doctor. By the time he went on Thursday, I called him back. He said, doctor says, I'm doing fine. Take my last day of ivermectin. You know, the pills you have to take over five days. And that doctor saved that man's life. That's 100%. Fantastic. 100%. And uh, unfortunately, he couldn't stand the um, hospital administration here and moved over to the next county. But uh. he was the only one. Well, I, I knew through word of mouth he was the only doctor that would risk his license and prescribe ivermectin. So I, I kind of had that inside knowledge. Wow. <clears throat> what a story. I mean, what a, what a, what a condemnation of the uh, traitorous corporate allopaths in the AMA that they would rather uh, uh, push the, this garbage. Like anything that comes from Pfizer, I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. And it's ridiculous that the corrupt uh, uh, leaders, gee, they all happen to be South Koreans that run the CDC are pushing all the Pfizer stuff and not their, uh, their chicken swingers, of course. And so... If there's one dr- company you do want nothing to do with, it's Pfizer. Corrupt, murderous, genocidal for decades now. And not just in the mm-hmm. human realm. They've murdered millions of livestock, millions of cows and pigs as well, with the abject quackery of these uh, Jewish <laughs> clowns who think that they understand nature and how the, the physiology, and they're just murderous incompetence. And uh, it was really encouraging to see what a huge stock hit Pfizer's taking because nobody anymore is but only real woke libtards are taking their boosters or anything so pfizer if there's one thing we can hope is that it's it it goes out of business because my god what a corrupt satanic entity that is all right let's move on to our next caller chance from west virginia i know this paisan welcome chance hello giuseppe hello this is lassiter excellent program this is lassiter i got two quick questions for you uh, are fish antibiotics for bacterial infections safe for human consumption? Yes, and if you look at them, they look exactly like the ones you get from uh, get from Big Farm. They're they're exactly the same. Uh, my fish get fish. My fish get sick a lot. I've got doxycycline. I've got Bactrim. I've got uh, Cipro. I've got doc, yeah, doxycycline, I think I said. I mean, I've probably got seven kinds of fish antibiotics. Because my fish are very delicate. So. Yeah, because <laughs> um, I was thinking... I've, I've taken them. They've worked well. Uh, uh, back to them. I'm a girl. Sometimes I get urinary tract infections. Clears it right up. They're absolutely effective. 
Yeah, I was thinking of ordering them and keeping them in for my medical supplies, specifically mm -hmm. zithromycin, doxycycline, iclate, uh, amoxicillin, and maybe that. Oh yeah, I've got I've got Z packs too. Yeah, and the ciprofloax. Well, yeah, Cipro. You've got to be careful with Cipro, though, because some people it can affect their tendons and their legs. So it would be if you have, like, something really, really bad. Okay, <laughs> your, I'm glad, that would I'm be glad the, you mentioned that. Choice. And I also would like to know, concerning ivermectin, uh, the oral paste, what is the safe dosage for a human to take? The oral well, paste. Well, it's, it's very easy. Um the horse paste, um, it costs about $7. There's enough in there for a 1,250-pound horse, but it's like a syringe, and there's a dial on the syringe. So, like, if you're giving it, say you're giving it to your dog, you could do that dial on that little syringe to, if you have a 60-pound dog, and lock that in, and then when you squirt it, just enough for 60 pounds will come out. If right. Or if you're treating a, you know, whatever weight is is labeled on the syringe and there's a little dial and you dial it to that weight and it locks it there so when you squirt it out and actually the amount for a person with that is about the size of a pea it's not very much right, um, because right. remember there's enough there for a 1250 pound horse so you've got at least 10 doses for seven bucks and uh I used to use that. I just find the the liquid is a little easier. And my husband didn't like the taste of it. Um, I So I got like empty gelatin capsules. And it fits perfectly inside an empty gelatin capsule if you rather take it that way. Uh, but you can't, uh -huh. you can't not mess up uh, the dosing with it. Besides, I think now, it's apple you know, they had flavors. all these fake stories of people ODing and Ivermectin. They were all fake stories. And of everybody course. knows you wouldn't take a whole tube of paste that you'd give to a horse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. Besides, <laughs> it's, it's apple flavored, too, isn't it, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, yeah you can get yeah. apple flavor, too. There but you that go. Yeah, so it can't be that bad. Okay. <laughs> thank you, now. All right, You're thank right. you, Chance. Our next caller is the man, the myth, the legend. He goes by many names, but we now call him Northern Nevada Paul, co-host of the show. Welcome, Paul. What's on your mind? Yeah, thanks. Uh, it was a good show. Uh, I liked uh, hearing uh, Marie's story, and I wanted to recognize her courage because I nowadays I feel that that is just as important, even more so than knowledge. Is uh, yeah. so. Um, my my respect to you, Marie, for the courage you've showed, uh, based on uh, the the stories that you told so far tonight. Um, yeah, a couple of questions came up. Um, you know, it's interesting that we were talking about ivermectin. You know, I'm not sure it's all fully understood. It's absolutely fascinating. And by the way, thanks, Giuseppe, for that tutorial about where it came from because I did not know that. Um, uh, about a year and a half ago, I watched a uh, very interesting video on BitChute called Ivermectin Friend or Foe, and I think it was a fairly complete picture, and again, it's, it's quite an interesting thing. Um, but here's my question uh, for Marie. So, Marie, you worked in hospitals a lot or with doctors, and did you ever work with any doctor that used uh, high-dose vitamin C instead of antibiotics? Because I'm assuming you're aware of the tremendous amount of literature and uh, experiments that have been done showing that vitamin C is in many cases uh, much more effective 
in treating uh, infections than antibiotics Especially are. intravenously, right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah, I'm well aware of that, and there's only one uh, doctor in our area, and he's not. he has his own uh, private clinic. He doesn't admit to the hospital that does the high-dose vitamin C, but as far as um, where I've worked, no, I, ha I haven't seen it. And, and, and really, that is just unfortunate. I'm going to resend to Giuseppe, because I think I already sent it before, a uh, eight-page PDF on the work of Dr. Fred Klenner, uh, K-L-E-N-N-E-R, and I'm going to have him send it to you and just, uh, just read that four or five times, which is the minimum amount of times I've read it, and then, and then print it out. And, of course, it's just a, a very short you know, primer on what he did, and essentially he... Uh, you know, cured. Uh, he preceded Linus Pauling. In fact, Linus Pauling recognized uh, Dr. Fred Klenner, and he cured every case of uh, basically every sort of disease that ever came to him with high dose vitamin C and also high dose uh, B vitamins and other uh, supplements. In fact, uh, in, at the end of this PDF, uh, it quotes him as saying that uh, what Dr. Klenner, his philosophy was, is that when a patient presents to uh, him with any sort of ailment, the first course of action should be high-dose vitamin C while the physician ponders the diagnosis. And uh, I, just really, I just really think the enemy of all of us is this top-down, administratively controlled uh, medical dictatorship in the hands of you-know-who, and they do not have uh, our good outcome as something that uh, they desire. Great points, great points. In fact, I, Paul, I don't know, we haven't talked about this yet, and Marie, I don't know if you even know this, but there's a, a very, very booming uh, uh, subset within the, the functional medicine uh, arena that uh, of injecting peptides into people, and it's delivering remarkable curative effects, that and, and ozone therapy, and the corrupt despicable FDA is using some weasel words in, in an appropriation bill from 2019 as the excuse to, to, to uh, label peptides into a, a, a Category 2 drug which prevents their widespread use, once again serving the financial interests of Big Harma as opposed to what patients benefit from. It's just disgusting. So. Yeah, well, I don't go to doctors for anything. I came off, I was breaking a horse, and I came off that horse about 50 miles an hour and had a com complex fracture of my collarbone. I mean, uh, and I, I didn't miss a day at work. I was in unbelievable pain, but I made a, I made a poultice, and, and another treatment for it would have been to put a rod in pins. I put right. a poultice on it, um, three different ingredients every night, heating pad, and literally within... Five days, I had little osteoblast cells knitting it together, and now I can do push-ups. It's my strong arm now. If I have to carry a five-gallon bucket, I do it in that one. It's stronger than the other one. And I used a poultice, and it healed it perfect. That's so fantastic. I'm, 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 I'm kind of sim more, I guess, simplistic in my medicinal plant approach and when you talk about vitamin c one of the first things i do or i'll be at church oh i'm sick i'm coming down what should i do and i like go out and find a cut off six inches of a pine branch and make you some tea and drink that tea and of course there's tons of vitamin c in pine mm -hmm. and then also uh 
the shortly pine like we have will actually eradicate uh, influenza type A. But you do get a lot of uh, vitamin C from drinking pine branch tea. Um, so, but like I say, I, I'm a... I'm a, I'm a simple girl. I try to do things like as off-grid and down-to-earth as possible, but effective. You know, every, I, I make sure everything's effective. And like I said, it, everything always ha- can have some hazards to it as well. Sure. So I try to um, balance that in there. Well, definitely send that PDF, Paul, and I will make sure it gets to Marie. And, Paul, any other thoughts uh, uh, that you'd like to share? Um, no, my reaction to what Marie was just saying was that you're you're a country gal, Marie, <laughs> and uh, you know <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of wisdom in that sort of a thing. And uh, yeah, there's multiple other uh, questions I would have, you know, including thoughts about the viral replication. And I, I had to chuckle when you talked about uh, the the Pfizer mectin that you mentioned earlier. Um, but yeah, no, thanks for uh, you know everything you've done so far, and uh, I'll. I'll Take off now. Good show. Okay. Thanks for Thank calling you. in, Paul. Have a great week. All right. Our next caller is John from California. John, welcome. What's on your mind? Hello, hello, uh, Mrs. Lassiter, Marie Lassiter, and uh, yes. uh, or is it Doctor Lassiter? No, I'm not a doctor. I don't okay, want to be that's... a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm a nurse and a coroner and a death investigator. Good. Good for you. Good for you. Say, uh, Mrs. Lassiter, um, the uh, the PCR test um, uh, you, you described it as a worthless test, and I I, I didn't know if uh, you were finding fault with the um, the inventor of that uh, test, Kerry Banks Mullis, because uh, I know he made it he made it pretty clear at the very beginning of the outbreak of uh, of COVID nineteen in early two thousand. 20 um, uh, in this country, uh, and actually Carrie Banks Mullis died, I guess, in August of 2019 from some type of uh, pneumonia, I guess. Uh, I couldn't find out much on that. But, Thank you, um, <laughs> No, I, I, totally, I, I know Carrie Mullis was very upfront about that. I think that might have hastened his death personally, but... Uh, okay, yeah, I, I, uh, I think he made it pretty clear that it was... It was uh, uh, not to be used as a diagnostic tool. It, in fact, it was it was it was only meant by him and the uh, the uh, the other man who uh, scientist who uh, uh, he, he shared uh, the uh, Nobel Prize in ni- prize in 1993 uh, for that uh, uh, test. Um, uh, and they uh, it it was not meant to be a diagnostic tool, but it was it was uh, meant to be a manufacturing procedure so they could. Uh, you know, whatever's in the blood, and they want to look at the DNA and and see how much you know how, all the tests they do on it. They'll multiply the hell out of it with the with the PCR test. But then, then during the early early time of uh, uh, Mar- March and April of uh, of of uh, 2000, 2020, when when this thing was getting going uh, in in our country here, uh, the first thing I found out was they were using the PCR test to. To uh, you know, to decide. Well, uh, the, the Congress passed the uh, the so-called CARES Act, C-A-R-E-S. I forget what the acronym is for, but it authorized uh, Medicare uh, to uh, uh, award uh, to to provide 
uh, to a hospital tester, someone in a hospital, uh, thirteen or fourteen thousand dollars if they if they come up with a positive COVID test, and then if they put the if they they put the uh, person on a ventilator, they were they award the hospital thirty nine thousand dollars. Now, guess guess what's going to happen? Uh, I think we all know, and and that is what happened. They, they be, well, I'm, I'm trying to stop that by by uh, doing a validation test of the fake PCR, gold standard, whole blood test, SARS-CoV, uh, nucleocapsid antigen test, and it will. It's a whole blood test, and everyone I've done has proven that the PCR is a sham. Okay, okay. that's fine. That's, <laughs> fine. that's fine. That's fine. I, I just wanted to make that point. Um, and um, and I, I guess that was that was really the only thing I, I really wanted to get straight because uh, I, I really was surprised at how how we were all being taken for a ride with. Um, with all this uh, misinformation that, uh, several years ago, at well, the beginning of all this. Did you know, and, uh, excuse me, did you know that the only swabs you can use are the swabs that the government sends you? You can't use I, like a normal cotton tip swab. I, I, I'm sorry, Mrs. Lasseter, I, I, can barely, I can barely hear you. Can you, can you speak up a little bit, please? Uh, I'll try. Um, the... Uh, the, the only swab you can use for the PCR is the one the government sends you. You cannot use a sterile cotton swab. It has to be the one that they send you. I dissected okay. one of the government swabs, and there was a whole bunch of trash in there that I detected under my microscope. Oh, okay. So okay. What, what, did you, what did you see, Mary? I... Well, I've, I've got pictures of it. A uh, couple things I saw were like a black cylindrical, almost like a skinny pencil lead, I would say. And then there were like blotches of kind of uh, a brown mixture. Um, my digital microscope that I could take pictures with is not super high um, uh, intensity, but um, yeah, there was a lot of garbage in that. It was definitely not a sterile swab. Oh, my goodness. You know, the other thing I'd like to interject and get both your thoughts as we're coming to the end of the show, but it's worth asking, you know what's the most disturbing and shocking element is how this initiative on this scamdemic was in sync, blockstep global. I guess we'll have to end right there. Thanks, John from California. Thanks to all the callers, especially thank you, Marie Lassiter. We'll have you back again soon. We barely scratched the surface. Thank you so much for everything you do. You're a true hero and a true human, and that is high praise indeed. All right, everybody, stay tuned. The one and only, the king of Sunday night, Robert Ravold, and Incendiary Radio, it begins now. Tom Bolton for Ease Off. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 Carcass Drop and Lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation, but today I want to spotlight four of our new products. 
First are right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next are beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC, 417-932-6419. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Truth, truth, truth.